something like 15 years ago, Sean Marshall released You Are Free, essentially her sophomore album. Uh, she had been a kind of indie chanteuse uh, in the 1990s and mid-90s. You know, her 1998 album, Moon Picks, you know, this is an example of what her mind works like. It's supposed to be, like, if you write the word hello, this is what she says. If you write the word hello in all caps, that's what it feels like, but you have to say Moon Picks. Like, this is a this is a quote she gave in an interview at one point. about Sean Marshall that really bother me. One is kind of the myth-making, magic-thinking, um, which is a product of her not being particularly well-educated, growing up in an extremely fucked-up, broken family, being exposed to, you know, fucking heroin and shit way too young, uh, having friends OD, you know. I mean, her life was way more fucked up than Kurt Cobain's, probably. And... You know, the other thing is she's like a Helen of Troy. She's one of the most beautiful women, you know, ever. She was, I mean, she was famous in her hometown as like the hottie behind the counter at her pizza joint. You know, the fact that she's such a powerful singer is just like, how can you have those two things exist in the same body? Like someone like Sting, right? He's He gave an interview once where somebody was talking to him about, you know, what's it like being Sting, blah, blah, you know, at the peak of his fame or something. And he, he said... I've always been famous. I was famous in my hometown. Uh, you know, I was, everybody knew who I was. It's this magnetism. And, you know, someone like a Madonna, she had to build her career. She made her fame happen. She networked. She took down opportunities. You know, she opened the Hacienda, all these different things Madonna did. And, you know, she was embarrassed of them. If you read, you know, biographies, memoirs by people who've had interactions with her, you know, she was constantly embarrassed of having to deign to do things for other people. She, she just, she knew she had to do the groundwork and she had to build it into something, but she also felt that that was beneath her. It's just, that was the tension of her early career. Sean Marshall is a completely different situation. Pretty much her whole life, if she walks in a room, the room's different. I don't think she's a particularly great songwriter. I, she's become a lot stronger um, in her, you know, maturing 40s. But, uh, you know, her lyrics are really brittle and sort of magic, you know, hallucinatory nonsense. Uh, she's obviously got significant mental health issues. She's been a suicidal alcoholic at various points. She still smokes and drinks at, you know, 47 with a kid. Um, as she's entering her kind of gray slick Nico world mother kind of, you know, latter half of her career. If you, you know, if your whole life, everything just kept happening to you because you're so beautiful and haunting and magnetic physically. And then it turns out you also have this, you know, 
incredible reserve of talent and kind of soul um, in a classic way, you know, growing up with the Hank Williams and, you know, her, her abandoned father is a blues musician and it's this whole fucking thing of, you know, where's that in the mix of what, you know, inspired her or compelled her to sing in the first place? Is she trying to be the best singer she can to, you know, somehow reach out to that? You know, how much did that haunt her and how much did that drive her to become such a talented singer? It's hard to say anything definitive about Sean Marshall because it's always the same thing with her when she starts doing press. And it may be a defense mechanism, but every interview she gives is a performance. You know, she's just acting. And she's been an actress her whole life. Because when you're that magnetic, you can't turn it off. And if you're not like that, if you're like a sort of ordinary looking person, you can't understand how psychologically draining it is to have things happen to you all the time. Every time she leaves her house, something happens because she literally stops time. Lee Ronaldo was at a show. She was opening for Liz Fair early in the 90s. You know, Liz Fair was pretty big at this point. She hadn't blown up totally, but 93, 94, Liz Fair was a big name. Liz Fair was also, you know, quite beautiful and, and socially extroverted and had lots of, you know, relationship experience to inform, you know, the perspective she put on her first couple of records. Sean Marshall, though, basically, you know, blows her off stage just by sitting there you know, half singing, apologizing all the time, stopping and starting songs, not in the, the kind of, you know, drug fueled way that after her success with moon picks became this awful anchor that's just been around her neck, her entire fucking career. You know, she's the one who's totally fucked up and crying on stage and can't finish a song. And Oh my God, you know, I fucking hated that shit. I hated reading about it. I hated, I saw it once. It was such fucking bullshit. It was the most performant, performative nonsense of, you know, drug excess, fucking Cobain body worship. It was cheap as shit. It just sucked. And You Are Free is really about that, primarily. This album began as a concept album. It was an attempt to perform a self-exorcism on Sean Marshall's obsession with Kurt Cobain. I don't blame you as explicitly about him, but a couple of the other songs are too. And not only that, she gets Dave Grohl and Eddie Vedder to come play on the record. And, you know, they're tight or whatever. They remain friends. She plays, uh, she played Eddie's festival when she was doing Sun in 2012. So these people are still like connected in some way, but she just couldn't pull anything together to get an album done. There's a bunch of bullshit on here. This is like four songs too long. And then there's the cover, you know, the Michael Hurley cover werewolf. She covers crawling black spider, but she kind of puts a tweak on it. You know, again, this is all like doing crawling black spider. is just like complete Cobain, you know, imagination, like trying to get inside his imaginary head, even though he's been dead for fucking 10 years. You know, when she started to realize 
as she got older that she was famous or that she had the qualities of a famous person, let's say. I think she went a little far and maybe was a little arrogant in imagining that she was in a place to interpret Kurt Cobain. That's a really common thing in a, in a kind of facile, basic way, you know, like a young kid idolizes Kurt Cobain. That's one thing, right? And you want to start a band and scream like Kurt Cobain and fuck the world, right? This has got that whole fucking nurse mother, I could have saved him, I don't blame you. She's identifying with him and getting into really bad, she had like four really bad alcoholic loops. When she got noticed and signed up and she started working with Steve Shelley and Tim uh, Fulgham, whatever, I forget his last name. They did three records in like 10 minutes. You know, they did Dear Sir and Myra Lee essentially at the same time. The cover of Hank Williams' Still in Love um, is fucking so good. That was probably the strongest thing. she does nude is the news for what would the community think nude is the news was like a legit little college radio hit you know at this point cat power is like this mysterious quantity because nobody knows necessarily what she looks like, right? She's not doing big tours. When Moonpix comes out and she's on the cover and they do the video for Crossbone Style, that's when everybody sees and falls in love with Sean Marshall in a way that had been happening anecdotally her whole life, but that completely changed the scope and scale of things. Because all these people who saw her and heard her music, they started doing that identification thing that she had done you know, with Cobain. And that gets really fucked up because then you realize you're in some way, in some smaller, you know, tier functioning in, in sort of the same way as he did. And it's a fucking trap. It's a huge mental trap. And she fell really deeply into it. And again, she's prone to this kind of, you know, magic devils and angels thinking. She ascribes that to growing up, you know, in the Bible belt or whatever. She ascribes that to, you want to know the answer? Look in the Bible fucking kind of, you know, upbringing. She has the wherewithal and, you know, again, that magnetism to just move within social circles. So it's not hard for her to engineer this move to New York. But when that happens, she's running with kind of a drug fluid crowd of people that are heavily using. And everything just kind of falls apart with that after she gets these three, you know, super indie semi-acoustic records out and she's starting to get the deal together with Matador for Moonpicks all of her social life gets completely fucked up and she fucks off to Australia and she ends up doing the album in like 15 minutes with the guy, two of the guys from Dirty Three. Stand if you don't, stand if you do.
If you don't know what the difference is between an alcoholic and somebody who like drinks a lot, Sean Marshall's one of those people where if she starts drinking, she's just not the same person. She's not even there. There's nothing like, and she's not going to remember shit. She is blackout fucking walking drunk, you know, all fucking night. And that's when things were going good for her. They couldn't get, she couldn't get shit together. So they did a fucking covers record. Cause like it's coming up on two years since this moon picks hit and you know, it did pretty well. And, and you, you know, you had no answer for it. You can't get it together to do an album. And You Are Free was recorded like over 40 fucking sessions or something, just throwing shit at the wall. Every time they would try to start up again, her head would be in a different place. So this grand idea of this, you know, fucked up meditation and exorcism of this Kurt Cobain obsession that lasts like two or three songs and then she you know, burns out of that. Then they got to try and get some singles together. Cause Matador's like, well, we actually want to fucking promote you. Well, getting Dave Grohl to play on something that helps. We'll get that on the one sheet. Eddie Vedder. Fantastic. Well, what about the songs? So they got to do two fucking pop songs. So they do free and he wore, and she fucking hates he wore. I don't even think she plays it anymore. Free is cute. It's really good. It's like a nice little throw. It's basically about hippies. You know, free is just like, it's 1967 and I'm in San Francisco. It's cute. Uh, and it's got neat little like 80s kind of synth drums. But like, yeah, six of the songs on this record, there's 14 songs on this record. And really, there's no way it should have been more than 10. Like four of the songs on this aren't strong enough to stand on their own or to hide, you know, in a fluid kind of conceptual way, because stylistically, it's so disconnected. You got the hardcore blues stuff. You got Fool, Good Woman, and again, Keep On Running. These are incredible fucking performances. Just ridiculous. Fool, there's some really fucking awful ham-handed lyrics in Fool, and I do not give a shit. I still get fucking chills every time I hear that song. And it's like, I don't blame you. I've been walking around the house for two fucking weeks now singing the line you were swinging your guitar around because they wanted you to hear that sound, but you didn't want to play or whatever that line is. And you can just in your head. You see the shot of Kurt Cobain from the Lithium video, the live concert footage in slow motion of him spinning his guitar around in a circle around his body on the guitar strap. And I just keep seeing this on a loop in my head and singing, I don't blame you. You were swinging your guitar around Cause they wanted to hear that sound But you didn't want to play Because Sean Marshall is somebody who has been essentially suicidal at so many points in her life. Because people like this, and, and this is what she has in common with a Kurt Cobain or so many other fucked up artists, the reason they succeed and the reason that they're able to become such uncompromising performers or that they have that need, that extroverted need to perform, is that they've sort of accepted that they're going to die and they sort of on one level don't care and that fearlessness is mistranslated as confidence 
by the audience. We look up and say, God damn, I wish I had the balls to do that. I I wish I could sing like that. Well, what drove these people to develop and nurture and water those talents? Fucking damage. Heavy fucking emotional damage. I was really of two minds. The whole ascent of Sean Marshall, I didn't like it. I thought it was objectifying. I thought that her physical beauty, it was, you know, uncouth and not politically correct to talk about that. Fucking everybody was in love with her. It was just playing on the nose on your face. You got to just fucking be, sometimes you got to be honest and not say the thing that's expedient or that's appropriate. She knows that you're looking at her like that. Like she can feel that shit. There, there's a distance and an elevation that occurs when people look at you like you're different from them, like you're a star, like you're a model, like you're a, a classic historic beauty. They looked at Kirk Cobain that way too. The world's not overflowing with unattractive pop stars. All these, all these press cycles she'd do, it was the same shit every time. You get the interviewer off guard, or you get him on side. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, are you mad at me? Oh, I can't. Fuck. Oh, geez, I go to bed. That whole fake nervous thing is just, she's not doing it anymore. Obviously she's going to be 50 in a couple of years here. And it's just, it looks like she's made it out. You know, th- that weak pattern of like fake shy, you know, insecurity that she constantly hid behind. Somebody just needed to call bullshit on this whole fucking pattern. And, you know, I didn't really get to do that in the review I wrote for Pitchfork of You Are Free. The line I used was, it's not a perfect album, but it kind of contains one. You know, if you trim those shaky kind of unfocused four, let's say, songs out, you've got a 10 song album that's fucking devastating. And regardless, it's the best album she ever released. I mean, nothing else is even close. The people who got excited about the greatest, I don't know what the fuck anybody saw in that record. That was just Oh my God, that record was a mess. I mean, she wasn't even there, like mentally at all. She got institutionalized for fuck's sake. I mean, she was fucking gone. She was drinking 24-7 for like two months, like bottles and bottles of hard alcohol a day. She was just literally suicidal. Like, I just don't, I don't want to exist anymore. I don't know how to not exist anymore. I just, I have a weird thing about the marketing of suicide. Another record I reviewed around this time was uh, Zuzu's A Promise. And that was another guy who was marketing mental illness as a form of authenticity. And I get so fucking angry at that. And I've been so angry at how that was allowed to be and continues to be the through line of how we talk about Sean Marshall and Cat Power. You know, Matador basically said, we, you've been doing Southern-tinged blues ballads your whole fucking career. And it's just not working. And they put a ton of pressure on her in 2012 when Sun was coming out. With I thought Cherokee was a cute single. I don't know if it's Gerard Cosley or who in Matador is at the top level looking at her like, you know, hey, you're still doing the same thing. You got all this talent. You're playing fashion shows in Paris. Lagerfeld threw a bunch of fucking clothes on you outside a hotel just because, again, uniquely, historically beautiful, physically beautiful woman that just stops time. When Karl Lagerfeld looks and sees a girl... And is like, bam. Think about how many fucking legendary, physically attractive women this guy's been surrounded with his whole fucking life. He walked out of his hotel, stopped dead in his fucking tracks on seeing Sean Marshall. You look at pictures of her. She's got this quality. Depending on the angle, she doesn't even look like the same person, but at various points. It's really fucking weird. 
Like even look at the video for Crossbone style, right? In the main, you know, black jelly bracelet shots where she's got this like raspberry, almost busted lip makeup on and the bangs, she's got that kind of boyish, you know, what they used to call pixie look. And then the shots where she's in the red dress with the kind of uh, black raspberry ice cream lipstick on, she looks like a completely different person. Equally beautiful person, but a completely different person. A kind of like uh, statuesque, uh, you know, chiseled beauty, you know, Roman goddess. Just with a change of makeup. This is such a unique quality. It only goes this perfect you know, a couple of times and every time that person is just, they can't avoid it. It's completely primal. It's completely genetic. This, this magnetism and it doesn't get talked about because to talk about it in those terms is kind of fucked up and creepy because then you're talking about like genetics is not really a great position from which to talk about human beings because we have souls and consciousness and intelligence. And so we distinguish ourselves that way. Right. True. But we are also physical objects. When I think back on all the music celebrities that I've kind of grown up with and then started sort of evaluating and, and kind of contributing to the through line on, you know, at, at my kind of peak involvement in, in the music industry and the music scene, it's something I've talked with a number of different musicians and, and critics and thinkers about. I'm not going to drop any names, but, you know, universally, when we talk about this stuff, it's like, dude, you either got it or you don't. For real, it fucking comes down to that. You've either got it or you don't. How you get there, you can build it yourself. You can be the Madonna figure that's just a total fucking social climber and, you know, uses people like fucking crazy. Get your jelly bean bonitas to get you going and then I'm fucking moving on to the next step. If, you know, if you've got the looks and, and enough of the talent to, to become that kind of self-marketed package, you can do it that way. And the press is going to help you do it. But... For people who don't really have the choice, who are just constantly, their whole lives, people just want to be near them in some way. You bask in the presence of someone like Ashawn Marshall. And she knows it. And I just don't think it's a tenable, I just find it a really untenable thing, the way she's talked about by fans and by critics. It's not honest. And I don't believe she's honest either. And she doesn't, there's no expectation of honesty from her. She's free to hide or couch or misdirect in any way she wants because she has an identity and a, and a life that she wants to protect or, or create, you know, filters around. But she's done some things that, you know, make it very hard to feel that there's not a complicity in that marketing of, you know, my nightmare hallucination and my friends dying and you know, angels and devils and ghosts and all these things that she talks about. There was a period where she was, you know, for years dating a relatively famous uh, actor and, and fell into this like complete Barbie Dreamhouse mom role thing. And she felt like, oh, fuck, I just I totally rolled snake eyes. Like I, I figured out a way in the back door to go from being this like fucked up, completely alcohol soaked wastrel fucking you know indie level goddess of pain to i'm out in la in the sunshine and i'm a mom and i've got my nuclear family yes well i mean you know it didn't fucking last the guy fucking bailed on her in a really fucking shit awful public way and so you know when i think about sun and i think about how fucked up she was during sun during the tour um 
she was using fucking like crazy because Matador was pulling the rug out. She knew the relationship wasn't going anywhere. They weren't happy with the album. And, you know, she cut all her hair off, dyed her hair blonde, started doing all this other shit. Then you're dealing with like, I'm reaching middle age. I'm going to be 40. You know, all that fucking crap is ba- is baked into sun. And I mean, she was like, she was posting insane fucking bullshit every other day on, on social media. And I don't, I don't, I don't know at what point we stopped talking about that story. When do we stop telling the story of cat power drinking three bottles of scotch a day and chasing ghosts with lighters and, you know, having to go to rehab and take lithium? Like that's inside her. It's not, it's not a fucking like show she played. It was her life. And she had the capacity to go there. And like I was saying before, when you see a real alcoholic, a real fucking drug addict, most people can never even get to that place. They have like corrective things in their brains that stop them from waking up and drinking half a bottle of whiskey just to get off the fucking floor. She doesn't have that. She's never going to have it. And that's maybe that's a secret that some people don't know yet. But as you get older, you realize that these are switches and you either have these switches or you don't. She lacks all those fail safes. Cobain lacked all those fail safes. You never get them. You have to learn that this, this car that you're driving, it doesn't have brakes. So you got to figure out a way to safely drive a car that doesn't have brakes. You can do it, but it is really fucking hard and it takes forever to get anywhere because you can't go so fast that you would lose control of the car. She's lost control a lot of times. Cobain went off a cliff. I think she maybe is going to be okay. Maybe. But, you know, she's already making allusions to the money she doesn't have. She's clearly not going to make any money being on Domino. And she doesn't write music that's going to make money. She writes music that satisfies her. That's a kind of self-absorption. And if you're going to twin your art with that kind of self-satisfaction... You can't have any expectation of making money. And then it's this thing of, you know, because of her status and all that backstory, every time somebody goes to interview her, they're totally fucking nervous and, you know, in awe of her. And she's this, she was so important to me when I was fucking 17 and I had moon picks and I used to do the crossbone style dance in my dorm room and all this fucking shit, like this feedback loop of worship and empathy and identification with this person is so fucking misplaced. You are nothing like Sean Marshall. You never will be. 